All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. Lions beat for M Live. Uh, ben, the the Lions uh, beat has been um, busy. <laughs> yeah. What day of free agency are we on? <laughs> Just... <laughs> um, both looking a little haggard. Uh, you're back in Ipsy. I'm in Arizona right now, getting some uh, sun before the owners' meetings next week. Um, but then there's a lot to catch up on, and uh, we we already did the free agency um, pod last week. But since then, they've continued to pile up the signings, um, coming to terms with uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. Which of all this, I mean, of all the signings, he's probably like the best player. You know, I, um, Cam Sutton is here for three years and thirty three million, so he's part of like the long term future, and that's a little bit different deal. But in terms of the team this season. Uh, Gardner Johnson, man, I, he is a player. Last time we saw him, he was starting and starring in the Super Bowl. Um, he came to Detroit. Uh, Graham Glasgow signed with Detroit. Um, uh, far less significant signing, but really fortifies um, one of the last remaining immediate needs um, on the offensive line. And we got news this week that Vitae will be back next year on a, a deep pay cut. Um, so Glasgow and Vitae presumably will be um, competing for that last spot at, at right guard up front. Uh, Graham is a longtime friend of the program and of you and I personally. So we were able to to talk to him on the back end of this podcast, Ben. Um, we just recorded that actually. Um, he was a uh, talkative got, fellow. Yeah, he's got <laughs> such a cool story to tell. He just yeah. has such a fascinating path here from Ann Arbor to back to Detroit. So he's the perfect guy to get to talk about that. I mean, because he's seen it all, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a full circle journey from him from walk on Michigan to third round pick here. And now he's back here for you know a big a big season. So we 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 got Graham. He had a great press conference the other day. I almost didn't reach out to him about doing the pod because the press conference was so good. Um, but I'm glad we grabbed him because uh, he's just always got something to say, and I appreciate his perspective. It went a little, a little long, so you know, <laughs> you and I are a little tight. But with everything going on, Ben, um, and all the additions they've made, they've been one of the more active teams in the league, and I think they certainly have one of the top free agent classes in the league, which is not something we expected based on the way Brad Holmes has pursued free agency before. And as I wrote this week on MLive, I, I think it's a real uh, obvious sign that not only does everyone else think the Lions are going to compete for division title this year, but these moves reflect the fact they think it too. I don't think you 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 go about free agency like this and loading up as they have um, if you're not really making a run at it. Um, so I guess to spin it forward, Ben, because you and I have both written pretty extensively. You had a good piece this week too about you're uh, kind of ad addressing the how the draft needs have changed based on what they've done in free agency. Um, but I but I guess um, I'm curious. You know, I mean, we're in mock draft season. We're not doing a mock draft this week, but um, looking forward to the draft, Ben. Um, how have you seen the Lions' draft needs change, and how is that changing your thinking about how they might go about? those two first round picks they have at um, six and 18. The board feels completely wide open at both spots. I think that they've gone from being a flexible team with a ton of resources to being among the most flexible team while still keeping those resources. Like I kind of went into those last two mock drafts before free agency is making sure to target a cornerback with one of those picks. They probably still need a long-term option at cornerback. It just doesn't have to be in the first round now. I mean, because they've added three starters. Like you said, Sutton, that's the most significant signing of Holmes' tenure. Gardner Johnson, that's the biggest splash of his tenure and probably the biggest external, like you said, probably the best player externally that they've added. I mean, that's a that's a stud. That's a ball hawk and stud that had six picks last year. I mean, so it's like all of a sudden that pick six, you don't feel like you have to do anything. It truly is best player on the board. I mean – the thing I wrote today about even quarterbacks was it sure feels a lot more likely that a quarterback could go at pick six to Detroit than it did two weeks ago because they've shored up their knees. I mean, yeah, interior defensive line, a little juice for that defense is still easy, but they brought back starters. And not only these additions, like you said, Big V coming back on a restructured deal, they managed to keep Charles Harris and Romeo Aquara around on restructured deals. These guys weren't cut. They reworked their deals, saved cap space, and provide 
pretty good depth guys that have showed out and been pretty high level starters in two of the last three years. They've had some injuries, but just the board's wide open. And that that's the biggest thing. It's even more open than it was two weeks ago. Cornerback is not an absolute must. I mean, you could go any other numbers of direction. I mean, Brad Holmes did a fantastic job of making this team better, addressing their needs and finding short-term upgrades while finding a couple long-term solutions too. I, I completely agree with you. I, I don't know how likely a quarterback is at six and not because they don't need one or, or that they would take one, but I just don't know which quarterback is going to be there. I think it's safe to say that either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young is going number one and whichever one doesn't is going number two. You've got other quarterback needy teams that are making their, their bids up the board. Um, I think at least three of those guys, um, are going in the top five and perhaps as many as four. And uh, I don't know if it'll be four or not, but either way, you're talking about guys like uh, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, who's of course got some off field issues to, to deal with. Um, Tyree Wilson, like one of those guys at this point, Ben should be there. Um, and, and which guy they go with, I don't know. They could also go with a, a, a cornerback because um, like you said, uh, they have, fortified their needs for 2023 which is a great spot to be in because you can go any direction but that also includes cornerback because um none of these guys that they've signed only Sutton is signed beyond this this year in terms of guys they have on the roster right now who have played meaningful defensive snaps in the NFL Cam Sutton is the only guy signed beyond 2023. Um, they have an option for Jeff Okuda, but I think Jeff Okuda's days in Detroit look more numbered than ever. Um, Jerry Jacobs is back this year. I, I think he's going to buy for a starting job with uh, Emmanuel Mosley. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to shake out, but yeah. So if they want to, if they love Christian Gonzalez, if they love uh, Devon Witherspoon, mm -hmm. one of those top corners at six guys who have been really mocked to them quite a lot, you can still take that guy if you want. But with what they've done in free agency, they don't, have to do that they could wait until 18 they could wait until the second round and develop a guy for for next year like they they've opened up those playbooks if that's the way they want to go and it's kind of interesting ben for me to sit back and observe this because like it's i feel like what they've done in free agency to me feels like they're leaning into the draft approach that i've been rolling out since the start of this process and it's not like i'm was predicting that I had no idea they were going to do this in free agency, but to me, it, it makes it more likely they're going to do what I've thought they were going to do all along, which is look at the, look at the edge players, the pass rushers. If a guy like Jalen Carter is there, an interior guy, it's a really interesting conversation because of the off field stuff. And no, before you ask, I don't know how to <laughs> shake out whether he's still on their board, where it would be at, but it's obviously a conversation they would have to have because mm -hmm. Yes, he's got the troubles with, um, uh, you know, he got two misdemeanors. Uh, I think a misdemeanor is not going to knock a guy too badly that has that much talent, but they're really ugly misdemeanors involving death, human yeah. death. Like it's, it's really a bad deal. So any team that's going to be taking them is going to be taken on some baggage. You're going to have to answer some hard questions. And that's something this regime has not really targeted. Um, they've targeted guys like Panay and uh, Aiden, like, like, Jalen Carter doesn't really fit that mold at this point, particularly even on the field at his pro day where he put on a bunch of weight and couldn't make it to his workout. So I don't know how that's going to shake out, but the scheme fit is there. They can do it if they want. And if they don't, Tyree Wilson, the guy I had mocked to them the last time around, he's still my guy. Like he is such a perfect fit for what they want to do in terms of an edge rusher. who's really productive, really long, got a deep bag of tricks. And he can also slide inside, which is exactly what they have in a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, most prominently, but also Josh Pascal, John Kaminsky. I mean, you can you can see the vision. They want these big dudes, long dudes who can play across the front. You can play games with people that way. You open up your 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 bag of tricks that way. You keep it, it's just you can see what they want to build. And to me, Tyree Wilson really fits that. And if he's still there, I think he's a a, a good shot to be the pick. Um and if he's not, then a guy like Will Anderson might be there. And he's an even better fit. Um, and yeah. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, the, the, this foray into free agency that they've had has allowed them to continue pursuing, I think, what has always been their preference all along, which is to continue building with high motor, versatile mother effers through mm -hmm. the trenches. No, for sure. And it's just... 
the run, the, the it's looking like it's going to be a run on quarterbacks in the top five, and that's going to make it for a really interesting kind of decision with the Carter stuff because more and more times, I know I handle our mock draft roundups every Friday, and last week there was a spike in Jalen Carter to Detroit at pick six. Like he's falling more and more likely, and it's just there's a lot of tough questions that need to be answered there because that would be a change of course for sure. But from where I'm sitting and what I see on tape and what I read from everybody else on that kid, I mean, that's the best on-field fit on the board for the Lions, no matter where they would be picking from. So there's like, there's some serious tough questions to pick there because a juice creator from the three technique with the girth that that kid has is exactly what this team needs. And that is like the top remaining need on the board. And I just think, I mean, this is somebody we were talking about as a likely number one pick a month and a half ago. I mean, you can't forget that you need to answer all these questions. I think he does have a court date in the week or two before the draft. So hopefully there's a couple of questions there, but I mean, that doesn't answer every question that you've got about the kid, but just it's a, it's a, that, that could be a severe change of course. And I mean, that is a risk adding somebody like that to such a young, foundation i mean they've really built this core this foundation their talent through the draft i mean carter's got the talent they just need to make sure he's a fit and that's going to be the biggest question we're asking for the next month i think their options are really opened up at number six so you can imagine how opened up their options are at number 18 uh it's just wild to me like the draft capital they have coming off the season that they did have (laughs) they do have um but again like you're you're uh you have so many possibilities and for as much as they've satisfied short-term needs, there are still some left, including tight end most prominently to me. Um, I know, I know Kuiper had the tight end. <laughs> I yeah. I don't see that happening at 18. Um, our friend, uh, Colton Pouncey, who, um, you know, friend of the program, he was on um, That's right. round table a few weeks ago. Um, he had the lines in a, a mock draft on the athletic trading back into the, first round for a third pick um, at the back end of the first round. I forget what number it was, but he had them taking uh, Darnell Washington. And I love that approach way more than I love uh, Mayer at 18. I, I think they can mm-hmm. get better value with a guard, for example, for as much work as they've done at guard that like their top three guys right now, Jonah Jackson, uh, Vitae and Graham Glasgow, none are under contract beyond this year. And Jonah's going to get a huge payday. Yeah. So either you're going to have to pay Jonah, or you have to draft a guy who can, like f- basically um, succeed him there. Um, so I think guard, like uh, Osiris Torrance is on the table. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's a spot for a quarterback, although again, I think a quarterback is coming at some point uh, in the draft, but uh, our friend Colton Pouncey um, had them um, in the back half of the first round taking down Washington. I just wanted to comment on that because yeah. I, I love Washington's fit. I think if he was still there in the second round, he would be a. Uh, I mean, I think he'd be at the top of the Lions wish list given where they're at depth wise at tight end. Um, I know that they got by without Hawkinson last year, but if you want to be a top five offense, which they were last year, and you want to stay ahead of the league catching up to what you're trying to do, I don't. I don't think resting on a UDFA like Brock Wright, who he's a solid player, but he's a UDFA uh, UDFA for a reason. I, I just don't think resting on that um, is the way to go. And I think a tight end is coming. I think he's coming in the first two days of the draft. I don't know how I, f- I, ha- I don't know how I feel, Ben, about trading back into the first round and giving up resources to get a tight end. But I know that I love Darnell Washington for this team. A, what is he, 270, yeah. runs well. Like he's a good pass catcher, particularly in the red zone, which is something they need. Like they were getting by with Shane Zilstra in that kind of role last year. But he's 270 and a plus-plus blocker, and that mm-hmm. is something they lack big time at that position. You can understand how Dan Campbell, a former blocking tight end, probably feels about that. And you can see how many jumbo packages they run with a sixth offensive lineman, usually Matt Nelson. But imagine if you had a tight end out there who could actually hold his weight in the blocking game and how that would open up the things that they're already trying to do. I think Washington's an excellent fit for their remaining needs following what they've done in free agency. No, absolutely, for sure. And the thing about the tight end room, I see deterrence against taking a tight end saying Ben Johnson has proven that his offense doesn't need a top flight tight end talent to succeed. Well, like it wouldn't hurt to have one like like this is a guy that has shown that he knows how to use his pieces. I mean, this is a guy that when they traded Hawkinson, they didn't have a big slot option last season. I mean, you took away like a vertical threat. You had to get cute with Brock, right? You got those delayed selling blocks to the ground to get him open. Great job getting open. But like 
couldn't you imagine this offense? Like it's kind of the, what we went into last season writing about expecting to see from Hawkinson. You caught, saw a couple flashes of it, but like keep giving Ben Johnson weapons. And like, I'm with you. I don't want to give up resources for a tight end because they have proven they can find value and get the most out of that position. But like, I'm with you first two days. There's, there's talent there. I mean, there's talent in the yeah. second and third rounds for sure. And it is a top need and it's just, uh, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, there's no reason not to add. You need more talent, no matter how you feel about Brock Wright or James Mitchell in that room. Absolutely. I, I have more to say, Ben, but we're just up against it. That's uh, what I, I looked at the clock and did the same thing, too. I was like, I got another five sentences on tight ends, but I'm. <laughs> but as always, Graham Glasgow is the star of the show. Anyway, I love talking to that guy. He's he's funny as, as hell. He's down to earth. He's a good player, too. So um, it's always nice to catch up with him. Let's let's uh, shut the hell up and uh, and get to the um, the main event. All right, we are joined now by the one and only, uh, definitely the the only Graham Glasgow. <laughs> Graham, it, uh, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too. Um, obviously, you signed the uh, contract this week. I'm I'm just curious what what like. Uh, I guess you know, we talked a lot in your press conference the other day about why you came back, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that today. But I'm, I'm guess I'm I'm curious, and I I get asked by fans this all the time too, like just like the mechanics of signing in free agency, like what, what has this week been like for you? Um, I, I assume you're talking a lot with your agent um, and going through that process. Yeah. And then you got to like fly um, out to Detroit. Once you settle on Detroit, you got to meet a lot of people. I'm, I'm sure sign a bunch of things, talk to the media, fly back. I, I guess just what has um, <laughs> this, this uh, return to Detroit been like for you? Uh, well, the first time I went through free agency, it was a lot different. So, uh, when I, when I had left Detroit, I kind of basically like once the tampering period was over, I found out, I think like basically that day, like where I was going to go. And, you know, that was easy except for the part that it was in the middle of COVID and I wasn't able to go into the building and kind of just like, it was, that was a really weird situation. But this time around, um, it was, like just kind of sitting around waiting. Cause like I ended up getting released, I think like the Friday before. So I was just like, I don't really know, like don't really know what's happening. Just was like going to wait and take my time, see what, see what's going on. But, um, uh, Monday rolled around Tuesday rolled around uh, by the way, this whole time that like, basically like I got released on Friday and then on Saturday I was on a plane going down to Mexico on a family vacation. Like, you know, I, I didn't really like <laughs> I wasn't really expecting anything to happen that week. I was just, <laughs> it was not even for anything else. I didn't expect to be released. I didn't expect to have to go through this at this point in time. So yeah. um, I was down in Mexico with my parents, my brothers, uh, my wife and our baby. And I couldn't like call my agent. I had to FaceTime him every time we talked because I like, didn't have any cellular, didn't have any cellular service there. So it was all just over Wi-Fi. Yeah. And uh, so it was kind of like, I don't know. I was pretty nervous. Like I was like a little, not nervous, just like a little bit more anxious. Cause I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why am I down here right now? And, uh, so everything like a few days passed and then like the lions started to get involved a bit. And I was like, okay, well, uh, I, I think I told, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I was just like, I, I had like a number that I was like, that I wanted to be at. And I'm like, if I don't want to try and milk this for all it's worth, I was like, if we can get to that number right now, like I'll sign. Mm -hmm. and uh there and then we got to the number basically like i think like an hour later and i was like all right well i'll go like i didn't have to i didn't want to like shop that against any other teams i just wanted to have it be done and come back and then i facetimed hank yeah i got a text i, I yeah so like the, <laughs> then it got a little weird because i was like i couldn't call anybody so and nobody could call me so i got a text from uh dan campbell and a text from jared and i facetimed hank and uh, we talked for a little bit. And then when I got back to Denver on Saturday, I hopped on a plane to Detroit on Sunday, went through all my medical stuff, met everybody on Monday morning. And then on Monday afternoon, I was on a flight back to Denver. So it was a lot of, a lot of travel in those, you know, those few days, but it was good. And, and now you're back in, in Denver, right? Yeah, I'm in Denver right now. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually not far. I'm in Arizona. I'm in Tucson right now. Um, the owners' meetings are next week, and I had to get out of the grave Detroit for a couple of days. So, <laughs> where are the meetings? They're in they're in Phoenix. Oh, uh, I was gonna say, 
Yeah. Tucson is pretty nice. I actually, I'm, I'm going to go down there in a, well, in like a month probably for like a boys uh, golf trip. So nice. I'm looking forward to that. Actually, I played some disc golf yesterday. That's what the poor uh, <laughs> guys do. But no, it, <laughs> have, have you, have you been to uh, Tucson before? Uh, I have. Well, I've only like flown in. Yeah. And then I went down to Tubac where they played uh, where the movie Tin Cup was made. Yep. <laughs> I, I've never seen it, but they really they really like the movie down there, as you can imagine. It's a claim to fame for them. So uh, but it's a cute little city. I liked it. We're like five minutes into this thing talking about Tin Cup. <laughs> Off air, we were talking about Love Actually. It's It's been quite the yeah. uh, movie uh, journey here in the last it's the 30 year old dude in Over Club. <laughs> I'm a man. Um, I'm 30. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that, that Dan Campbell texted you. I'm curious mm-hmm. what he had to say, uh, and if you've met him yet. And and I ask because, um, you know, I mean, I, you know, the guy's getting to be kind of a legend around the league just for his Dan Campbellisms, if you will. And I know that um, guys love playing for him. And I know that reputation is getting around the league too, which probably helps in free agency. And some of the guys that Ben and I have talked to through this process the past couple of, of weeks have mentioned how much. Dan's presence in Detroit and Dan reaching out. I know Cam Sutton specifically mentioned Dan reaching out was a big thing for him and his uh, recruitment, I guess, to Detroit. So I'm curious what Dan said to you, if, if you've met him, what your impressions are of, of the guy. Uh, I met him very, as I said in the meeting the other day or the media thing, like the first thing I, I noticed about him, was, as I just said, I was like, wow, this guy's tall as hell. Um, <laughs> huge. Mm-hmm. But he's, I didn't talk to him a ton outside of, I think I like the longest I talked to him was maybe like, I don't know, three, four minutes. And that was with uh, Brad as well, the GM. So it wasn't very long, but as far as I can tell, he, he likes, he's a football guy. You know, he's all about, he's all about ball. He's kind of no bullshit type of guy. And that's, that's what I'm into. So. Especially after your, your last uh, journey through Detroit. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. (laughs) Well, one thing we were talking about before we started was uh, just realizing that this is going to be your fifth head coach since you left Detroit, including the interim coach last year. And you talk about whirlwind. What kind of whirlwind has that been? I think four. Uh, Is it four? Yeah. Campbell's going to be number five. Campbell will be number five. Yeah. 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 Um, It's interesting. I mean, like, it's, it's very weird to have a situation like what we had last season in uh, Denver where, you know, your coach got fired like towards the end of the year. But um, I think it just comes down to like, you have to be able to adapt and like learn what all these different types of people are, are putting emphasis on. And I mean, at the end of the day, I do believe that football is football and that there's a lot of common ground between each head coach and what they want to teach and what they want to focus on. But I mean, it is a little hard. It's it's less it's less hard for the head coach side of things and probably just more hard for like the offensive coordinator and O line coach side of things where you got guys coming in, some people trying to teach you the exact opposite of what the last guy taught you and it's all just kind of weird. And as I said, at the end of the day it's it's football, but it's just an interesting dynamic. We'll uh, keep this as much of a Matt Patricia free zone as we can. I know you that that's been relitigated uh uh, for forever, so we don't have to go there. But I, I did want to say, Graham, when, when I came to Ann Arbor and we did that story together, and we're uh-huh. and and you know talking about your time there. One of the things you said that day, and I don't think it actually made the story, um, but it stuck with me. Something that like I always respected about you a lot as a player, which was that that was during a time when that locker room was leaking pretty badly about how bad things were and how upset players were with how things were going, and I'd asked you about that. And your response was pretty similar to what you just said now, which is basically, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is is play ball and I'm going to do what I can. And it might sound cliche and like the thing that people are, are supposed to say, but at that time, the, everything was leaking and, and and people, players were obviously unhappy. And with you, it was just like, I've had good coaches and bad coaches. Ultimately, I'm just going to play this game the best that I can. And I, I always respected that. That was kind of like your outlook, especially at a time when it, things were bad in Detroit. I appreciate that Kyle I mean that was I remember I I got interviewed at one point it was after uh we played the Washington football team I don't know if they were the Redskins back then they could have been um but 
we played them and uh, they were not doing too well either. And I think like that game, like it just, I think Jeff Driscoll was our quarterback. We should have probably won the game. They had like a punt return for a touchdown or some stuff. And like everybody just comes into the locker room. And for some reason I'm the only one there talking and they just all are asking me about like, you know, head coach questions. And I'm just like, I'm not at Liberty to like talk about that. Like, that's not fair. And I'm like, and at the end of the day, I mean, I talked about that the other day. Like you can talk about, performance like people I'm, people love to talk about performance but i feel like it's not fair to talk about people as people because i mean they don't really know what it's like so um i mean at the end of the day as i said before you just have to focus on yourself and focus on what you can help or what you could do instead of just blaming shit on other people right i remember that game that was a pretty ugly game <laughs> um the the jeffers goal game in, in washington i think it was in washington too yeah it was an abhorrent stadium um which really really added to the experience um but um obviously things were bad then it's dramatically different now the culture i mean you feel it just walking into the building you know the the, the roster you, you feel the difference um of course winning helps but you you know ben and i you can't walk into that building and not feel a difference in how things are being taught, the way the culture is is, is being built versus um, previous years. I'm curious how much you know about that kind of stuff, how much you hear about that kind of stuff, even playing, you know, uh, in the AFC West. Um, I know you're tight with Taylor Decker, um, who you played with before, Frank Ragnow, so maybe you're talking some to those guys too, but just how much are you aware of, you know, the the um, where the club is now? Obviously, it's... it's um, Becoming one of the trendiest rebuilds in the league. Uh, well, I didn't talk to either of them about it really in that in that type of regard. But just walking into the building, I feel like you could just feel like an energy, and a lot of that just comes from the people working around the building. You know, there's a lot of optimism and there's a lot of hope, and I feel like that's just it's attractive. You know what I mean? I feel like you go you sometimes you go through a day and it's just like gloom and doom, and you're just kind of it's just you know it's work. And for a lot of these people, I feel like that's not the case. And uh, just seeing how the team finished out the year last year just tells you what the type of mentality that they have and what type of culture is there. I mean, if a team starts one and six, I mean, I feel like a lot of times they end up being one of the worst teams in the league that year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so just seeing how they turned it around and almost made the playoff, could have made the playoffs, maybe should have made the playoffs, hard to say. Um, but just seeing how they were able to go do that, it just speaks volumes about what type of coaches they have there and what type of players they have there. And that was something I wanted to be a part of. Uh, I know Ben's got some questions for you too. I just want to follow up real quick on, on the Taylor Decker thing. Cause I know, you know, one of the things I, I really liked about, uh, your press conference the other day, and it's kind of the angle I took with the story I wrote about it was you coming back cause you wanted to play with your buds, Taylor and, and Frank. And of course, you know, the winning and the, the culture stuff helps too, but there was something pure I thought about that response. Like we all want to like play with our buds. We all want to like work with our buds. I think that's yeah. it's lost in this business, right. With, you know, million dollar contracts and like salary uh, um, caps. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to make decisions sometimes with intentions like that as pure as they are, but that's what you're having an opportunity to do. So I, I wanted to go back and I was trying to think of an interesting question to maybe ask about this dynamic. That's a little bit different than we talked about the other day. And I was thinking about how you had told me before um, that you live with Taylor and, and Joe Dell, who were both uh, your classmates in the 2016 class in Detroit. Uh-huh. Um, that's a pretty unique thing. I, like, I don't think I've ever really heard about um, draft picks living together. You know, usually when you get those kind of contracts, you're kind of doing your own thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember you also saying that you guys carpooled um, the three of you. <laughs> To, um, to to Allen Park from, I think, Birmingham you were living in. You had your mom's 2012 Honda Pilot, if I'm recalling correctly. That's a good no. memory. I didn't even remember the year. <laughs> I mean, my, my memory is shit. I, I looked it up. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I went into my notes. Um, but just the, like, the image in my brain of, like, you know, that parking lot in Allen Park and all the sweet-ass cars. Um, and then you've got three offensive lineman weighing a thousand pounds just rolling up in a in his mom's SUV. Um I, I love that visual in my in my brain. Um I, so I'm curious what was Taylor like um as a roommate? What do you recall from those days of, of living with those guys and um you know kind of a really unique rookie experience. 
so at the time we were living in this house it was like it, honestly it wasn't like bad i wouldn't say it was bad but it definitely wasn't good uh it looked like a turtle so i'd always call it like the turtle house and there was like two rooms upstairs and like my room that i had was like absolutely insane it was huge uh in joe's room was like like the harry potter room that poor soul it was like slanted on one side like he had a closet but it was like it should have been like an attic and uh i think there were like critters living above his room too so he would always hear like scratching and stuff at night and he always had a tr trouble sleeping to begin with <laughs> but like joe was a fantastic person to, to live with and so was taylor i was probably the worst person to live with because i mean you you remember my locker it wasn't always the cleanest but um i believe you were voted messiest in the locker room <laughs> if memory serves. yeah so i was i was messy you know that's fine um but like <laughs> so i would you know we'd be ordering some jets and, you know, maybe we have a little two liter and maybe I forget to put the pizza in the fridge. And, you know, Taylor got a little upset with me about that, but you know, I was always the one ponying up the money for the pizza and, you know, <laughs> Taylor was always happy to take a swig of the two liter as well when we'd be you know, going off to work in the morning. He's but, got that first round money. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he was, he was an awesome person to live with yeah. at the time. Uh, actually, I'm not going to talk about that, but um <laughs> Yeah, we're we were gonna talk about a previous relationship. I'm not gonna talk about that though. Um, so you know, I spent a lot more time with Joe than I did with Taylor just because, you know, Taylor had some other stuff going on with, you know, relationship stuff. Yeah. So um, but me and Joe were always just out there hanging out and Taylor would always, you know, want to come hang out with us too, and that was always fun. I remember us all go all three of us going to uh embrew down in ferndale one time like right when we got drafted and we were out here for otas we spent like a weekend day going down to going down to embrew and ferndale and it was honestly just a lot of fun i mean it was a good time and that's I, that's pro partly why i looked so fondly back on detroit even though as i said times might not have always been good on the field no, oh, and another part of that continuity back to the football is just kind of Hank Fraley. One thing I overlooked when you were brought back was that Hank was actually the assistant offensive line coach in your final year here. And I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts were, like, why he was retained from staff to staff and how 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 loud that speaks about his ability to kind of change and go with the flow and just kind of how important him being in that spot was for you coming back here. Uh, well, Hank was always like, well, he was the assistant offensive line coach, I think, for the first two years that yeah. uh, Patricia was here. And then he got promoted, I think, that last year, um, which would have probably been 2020. But, I mean, he, I always thought that he was a great coach, like a great person when it came to, like, talking about technique stuff. And he was just – he's really just somebody who I like being around. Like, you know what I mean? He's easy to talk to. He's somebody who you can look at as more than a coach. So – for me, that was a no-brainer. And also just – this is funny. I didn't get to bring this up in the meeting or in our little press conference the other day, but Ben Johnson was also here in 2019 as, like, an offensive assistant. And I actually had a very good rapport with Ben. Like, we – I would always, like, talk about – I mean, you know, I'd always talk to him about shit that just, like, really pissed me the fuck off. Yeah. And Ben, <laughs> and ben was, like, you know, he would – like, he'd listen to me and, like, he'd echo some things back to me and, you know, we'd talk about it. And he was – uh, it was just a, you know, a, a cool little relationship we had there. And I'm happy to see that he's like risen through the ranks so far and so quickly. Um, so it, me knowing Hank and Ben just made it a double no brainer to, to come back. Ben has, uh, Ben Johnson has soared, I would say is probably the accurate word from, I mean, I think he was, I can't remember if he was like an offensive assistant or a quality control yeah. coach. And then, quality control to tight ends. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and then yeah. to this year where he's got three head coaching <laughs> interviews <laughs> and is like one of the hottest coordinators in the league. Um, you know, when we talk to players about Ben, uh, particularly golf, but really anyone, I don't tell, and I don't Taylor Decker is very um, high on him as well, but they use words like genius and things like that. I don't want to get dramatic, but the results speak for themselves too. And I, of course, it's scheme. I think what we saw last year was a very balanced, efficient scheme. It 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 just hurt people almost every week, basically every week when they had when they weren't like gutted by injury. Like the offense was humming, um, and that speaks to Ben, I think, and and what he drew up, but also just the way he connects with players. Like I guess Graham is one of the guys who was here 
before he really sort up the ranks. What did you see from Ben back in the day that that you liked? Um, did you see this kind of thing for him in his you know immediate future? I didn't even know like that that Ben was really like that to be fair. But um, like back then, if we're talking about, but I could tell you that back then I thought that he was somebody who would he wouldn't like sugarcoat things. He always kind of talked to you like he told you like the truth as he saw it, and he told you like the way that he saw things, which I appreciated. Hey, Graham, are you, are you covering the mic? Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so back then, like, I felt like he was somebody who would always talk to you straight and tell you the truth as he saw it. And this was at a time when people wouldn't always tell you what they thought or what they felt. And I, that was something that I always appreciated. And I thought that he was just like a very, it seemed like he was very humble. He was a little bit more quiet back then, but I mean, I thought that he was just a guy who was, just seemed like a good guy, good coach. And I mean, it seemed to carry out and be true. I talked to him the other day and, you know, he talks about the offense and I feel like he gives a lot of credit to the players. And I feel like that's just a, a good way. I mean, you know, I feel like a good way to do leadership is probably like how I feel like you see it done, like by some quarterbacks, you know, and some other coaches where when things are good, you give credit to other people. And when things are bad, you put that blame upon yourself and, I mean, it seems like he's he's one of those guys. So I, I appreciate that about him. We all know that you came back to play with guys like Taylor and Frank. Um, I, I'm curious, um, you know, when you look at the roster, um, it, it's changed in pretty much every regard. I'm not sure how many more players there are that are still around from when you were here, but I'm sure it's not very many. So I, I, I was curious, like we talked so much about Taylor um, and Frank and um, playing with those guys again. I'm curious when you look at the roster, what players are you excited to get to know or to get to play with that you didn't play with before? I'm excited to get to play with and get to know, like, uh, honestly, just the rest of the guys on the O-line. Like, I met some of them over at Taylor's wedding that he had last year, and they all just seemed like really nice guys. Like, Jonas seemed super great, and Panay seemed nice. Vitae seemed really nice, too. And um, honestly, just a lot of those guys and the rest of the guys on the O-line just seemed like they'd be really cool to be around. And... Uh, it seems like to me that Jared is also a guy that would be probably pretty cool to be around. I mean, I'm, I'm getting into golf, you know, I've, I've sort of been around it. I don't know if I can say I'm getting into it. I've been around golf, <laughs> but you know, I, I like to play and hopefully we can all go out, you know, go out sometime and play a little bit of, you know, hit the twigs around, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Not really. I, I throw the disc around. So I'll just have to take Bang chains. <laughs> yeah, there you go. exactly. Banging chains. Yeah. Well done. Um, you said Jared um reached out to you, texted you um during this process. What did he say? Uh I, he said welcome back. And he said, I mean, it's hard for me to say without me looking it up. Yeah. But he said welcome back and you know that he's excited to have me on the team. And uh I had told him that I'm excited to, you know, I'm excited to come back too, and I'm excited to be a part of what him and a lot of the other players and coaches have been building and um, cause I mean, you know, there, as, I, as you said, there's so much turnover, it's really hard to even like, it's almost like I'm coming in, like as a new, you know what I mean? Like a new player to like a new situation, even though I do have ties with some of these guys and some of the coaches, everything is so different, but, um, I just was very complimentary to him. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to work with you. You know, it seems like you guys have done a great job. Um, when you, when you signed here, I, you know, there was some um, – we didn't know quite what was going to happen with Big V, um, with Vitae at right guard. He, he's a good player when he's out there, a uh, good scheme fit uh, as a, a real hard mountain of a man run blocker, you know. Um, but with the contract and the injury, the, we just didn't know what his future was going to be like. Um, today um, uh, he agreed to um, a new deal that's going to keep him in Detroit for, for this season. So Detroit's bringing back all five guys that were to be the projected starters from last year. Plus they've added you. Um, so I, I guess I'm I'm curious what that dynamic is like for you as a guy who came in as a third round pick um, a million years ago. Uh, you moved into a starting role your rookie year. And, and since then, I, mean, I think you've been penciled in as a starter in one way or another um, throughout your career. And it looks like this year will be more of a competition for you to, to make that lineup. I'm curious what that's like for you. That's obviously, it seems like a different spot in your career than you're used to, um, you know, and, and, and I guess I, as a follow-up to that, um, 
why sign and uh, you know like, like obviously you came here knowing that there'd be some competition for a job so i guess why still sign here if, if you knew that a starting job would be you know less less assured uh it really just came down to for me i as i said i wanted to come back first and foremost and play with my friends and second of all i'm i'm not opposed to competing i, I think i said it yesterday they were talking about you know being a prove it deal and i said i've proved it i've you know if i'm gonna prove it again why not prove it here you know i've done it before and uh, I'm not a stranger to competition. I, I feel like that's something that brings out the best in a lot of players. So uh, I would like to just, you know, I, I thought that this would be a good situation for me. And I mean, you know, I know Vitae is a good player and he has been injured. But with that being said, I think that he's going to bring the best out of me and I can bring the best out of him. And uh, we go from there. I mean, I'm feeling my body wise, like I'm feeling so much better than I did last year mm -hmm. after coming off my injury. And I'm I'm confident in my in my abilities and especially how uh, my ankle and everything was like kind of performing towards the end of the year last year. I'm I'm looking forward to to taking it another step further and doing it here. So when we got the podcast rolling, like I don't know, a year and a half or so ago, um, you were our first player interview. Yeah, Actually, right. so you so you're you're back on the program. Uh, Dan mm -hmm. Miller was our our first guest, um, and then. Uh, He's always number one in our hearts. Um, but you were the first player and we we reached out to you. Just you and I have a good relationship. And I and there was some stuff happening at that time. I, I was intrigued to hear your perspective. And I knew you had the leg injury. So I'm like, he's probably just sitting around anyway. Um, and we talked yeah. a bit about it. Graham, it wasn't until I was writing about your return that like, I looked up, you know, just some of the things that have happened in Denver. And I saw the full extent of your injury. I don't, I didn't realize like, it's like ligaments, bones, yeah. like your leg was effed. Um, uh, yeah, it was not, yeah, not good. But yeah. yeah, so it's like something that usually takes like a while to get, like you're able to return to play. Like when they first told me I broke my leg, I was like, honestly, not the worst, not the worst thing in the world. I'm like, I just, you know, it's like two months and I can be back to, you know, playing and like mm -hmm. do whatever. And then uh, I, you know, got on the plane. And the doctor came up to me and he said, yeah, you know, I think this might be a Mason fracture. And I'm like, I don't care. I just hear fracture. I'm like yeah. that just sounds okay. And uh, that sounds fine to me. And then I uh, went down to MRI and he's like, yeah, this is a Mason fracture. He's like, this is going to be like a seven to nine month recovery. I was like, what? I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I thought I just broke my leg. He's like, well, you know, that's just like a part of it. And I'm like, oh my God. And yeah. then, uh, you know, going through that and working through that, that it's, it sucked. And, um, as I said, I'm just happy that I'm in a much better place physically than I was going into, especially like going into OTAs in camp last year. Like I wasn't able to really do any team reps in OTAs. I wasn't really able to do anything. So I'm just happy I'm in a better place physically now to where I can actually be in a position to compete, you know, and be in a position to play. So no doubt. No, I forgot, uh, kind of forgot what the rest of the question was, but yeah, it was pretty <laughs> shitty. So. Well, we made it like a half hour into this with only one question forgotten, which is. Uh, <laughs> well, I usually just, I usually forget the question. I was saying this the other day. I forget the question where if I'm, if I've been talking for a while and then I start to think <laughs> about where I want to go. So I don't misspeak. Yeah. Uh, then I usually forget. And then I have to, then I have to ask again, just so I don't, you know, I don't want to say something that I don't mean or that is like not applicable to the question usually. That's very, very thoughtful. Ben, did you have anything more for Graham? No, I'm all right. I think we've covered okay. a lot of bases. Yeah. I got I got one more for you, Graham, and then we can get you out of here. Um, sure. You're talking about players that you were excited to play with and some of the guys on the O-line. Um, the D-line uh, that you'll be seeing every day in practice is dramatically different. In fact, it, it's probably entirely different. I don't think there's probably a single guy left from the last Romeo. Kind of, Romeo. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. That's it. I, yeah, Romeo. Romeo was here. And that was it, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. And the last time we talked to you, you were talking about lifting with Aiden at Michigan right. while he was still playing. That's right. Yeah, no, I was saying I remember that was us talking about Aiden and uh, what would happen, you know, if he was going to be a good fit for the Lions. And uh, right. I gave you guys my thoughts on him, and I think my thoughts were pretty were pretty good. Yeah, we're pretty yeah. close to what the <laughs> well, situation was. So 
Yeah, they're so good. That's what I was going to ask. And Ben fucking stole my thunder. So <laughs> never mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly where I was going. Keep raising me. Keep raising me. Talk about it. What was? It? What were you going to say? Oh, I, I just wanted to ask because he's a guy you have a relationship with. You. It was during the COVID year, and and things were shut down. So you and him ended up working out together. And I remember you saying in that podcast that we did uh, way back when that he was surprising you at like just with his strength. And I think to some degree, his maturity, but like, especially like you couldn't believe a 19 year old was that strong, basically. And in some ways he was around your level in terms of strength. I don't know if maybe you were just being kind or if that's a, if that's really how it was, but clearly what you said though, was spot on. He's, I mean, he came in, yeah. Second overall pick comes into Detroit. There was, he was good out of the gate. There were some inconsistencies. And then maybe like five, six weeks into the season, he was just um, a monster the rest of the way. Defensive uh, runner-up for rookie of the year. Um, kind of speaks for itself. Led all rookies in sacks. Just curious. So I, I guess my question was, how much of Aiden's game have you watched over the last year? And, and how eager are you to you know be able to see a guy like that and practice again? And the whole iron sharpens iron kind of thing um, going forward. I'm excited to see him. I mean, I don't know how much I'm going to be going against him, but I'll yeah. be I'll be willing to hit him in the ribs if need be. You know, if I have to kick <laughs> out on a, a you know little slide, I actually wouldn't do that. I don't do that to my teammates. <laughs> but um, you know, he, I didn't see a ton of like Lions like games, just straight up like yeah. one through, you know, the end of the game, one through sixty five, whatever it would be. But just seeing the highlights, I feel like you see a lot of what I kind of thought, which was. You know, he might not always have like the like, you know, I do think maybe he needs to work on like having like a go to move or working on, you know, like having something else that he can go to. But he's athletic and he always puts like the effort in. So I feel like he always had like the he was always getting the effort sacks. He was always getting everything like that. And that was something that I felt like you guys could always probably expect out of Aiden. But I was impressed with what he was able to do. I mean, he had outside of just the sacks. I mean, what he had like a couple picks, a couple fumbles, a couple of you know, fumble returns, fumble, force fumbles. So, um, I mean, he's just a smart guy, and I seem, I seemed like he was able to display that in year one, which I was happy for him. There was one play against the Bears where David Montgomery, your now teammate, uh, was getting a goal line carry, and he crashed. I don't know if you've seen the highlight. It kind of made the rounds a little bit, but he crashed off the edge, basically, like, corrals him in the backfield, and, like, just, like, whips him around into the ground. Like, I mean, he basically did like a 360 whipping him to the ground. Sideways. <laughs> mm-hmm. So obviously to keep him out of the end zone, it was. Yeah. Like... No. Yeah. I mean, as, as I said, I mean, it's. First of all, it feels bad for uh, David, you know, as a <laughs> current teammate, but um, I mean, that's something I felt like you could have always anticipated from him. So I'm, I'm not surprised to hear it. My last question for you, Graham, um, you know, we don't teammates and stuff. I'm, I'm, I just wanted to ask about Panay Sewell. I asked Ben Johnson about Panay the other day too. I just am really intrigued about his possibilities going into year three. He was a monster as a rookie. Uh, he was better last year, pro bowler. You got him lining up at tight end, coming in motion, catches a third down pass that clinches a win against Minnesota. Like, uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with his game or how much you've seen or, or know about him. Um, or maybe just by reputation, but the dude's a monster and you'll be, you know, he'll be on your right shoulder, presumably quite a bit here um, this year. So I'm, I'm just curious about Pinay and any um, knowledge you have of him and his game. I haven't been able to watch him a ton, but I am, you know, when, once we get into to film a little bit more this year, I would be able to give you, you know, I'd be willing to give you a more accurate description on what I thought, but just, I mean, judging on what I've seen so far, I mean, it seems like he's super talented. He's got a lot of, like, good mobility. He's very strong, got good strength, and he seems to have, like, overall pretty good technique. Um, So, I mean, honestly, that seems to be every single box you could possibly want in a tackle checked off. I mean, I I can't speak to his, like, you know, football IQ or anything like that, but everything you see on film seems to be, you know, checked, as I said, checked off. (laughs) But... uh, I mean, I met him one time, as I said, at Decker's wedding, and he seemed like he was a really nice kid. I mean, he's really young. Um, and, I mean, to be able to, you know, be that physically mature and be able to play that well at, at that young is is honestly just impressive. So, 
Yeah, he he was um, 17 when he was the starting left tackle at Oregon, and he was uh, 20 when he was the starting left tackle at Detroit. He was the youngest left tackle to make a start in NFL history. Uh, he's um, must now, be nice. Yeah, not us. <laughs> not Somehow us. still only 22. <laughs> must be you, nice. Uh, you you signed in Detroit, and I and I just googled your names. I was going to go to your Wikipedia page just to do some. Uh, <laughs> Quick research, yeah. basically, and I saw the 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 thirty years old, and I'm like, oh my god, like I need to like retire or something. <laughs> no, but I was gonna say, like, I, I remember my first year in the NFL. I was, I think I would have been drafted. I was drafted at 23, and I turned 24 in camp. So, like, I always I always joke around telling people, you know, I I spent the best years of my body playing my worst football for no money. <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah, <laughs> it seems like Panay got it figured out. So good for him. <laughs> well, I, one of the quotes I remember from our day in Ann Arbor together when we were doing that story about your your journey, I remember we were talking about, I was curious about how you ended up as a walk-on at Michigan. Um, and you said that you wanted to play for Jim Trestle at Ohio State. Trestle was fired maybe like two weeks before you were supposed to go on campus. So uh, it was kind of like a scramble at the end of the process. And you wound, like two, like three, two, three weeks, uh, two or three weeks later, you were in Ann Arbor with coaches you didn't really know, with players you didn't really know bottom man on the totem pole coaches are telling you basically you'll never play here um and i remember the quote you told me was basically like uh it was something like i, I felt like i was paying a lot of money to get my ass beat every day <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was exactly what happened yeah no yeah i mean good it times. was good yeah times. it was yeah so but now you're here going into what year uh seven or something in the NFL. eight this is eight yeah, I, I, yeah eight but yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome. I mean, it's cool to look back on and, um, you know, both my brothers have already retired due to medical reasons and, you know, that sucks for them. But I mean, I would have never thought that I'd be playing longer than like, you know, either of them considering they both had also made it to the NFL. So uh, in itself, it's just, it's awesome to be able to keep doing this for, you know, a job and profession. So I'm, I'm just grateful. You're going to stay in Ann Arbor when you get out here and settled, or are you got you guys looking to move? Honestly, I'm not sure. It all just comes down to, to seeing where we're, where we're at. I mean, I need to, first of all, I need to find a place to live this year. Uh, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I brought this up in the actual uh, media thing, but I do have my, I do have a condo out there still. Hmm. And uh, last year, one of my, uh, sister-in-law's friends came to us and like her husband was like going to the B school or the law school. I can't remember which and wanted to sign a two-year lease. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, go ahead. Like, take it. Like where I don't foresee myself being back anytime soon, really. <laughs> so, uh, so I can't even live in the place I own yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> so I have to find a new place, <laughs> but I'm just, uh, I don't know whether I'm going to live in Birmingham or in Ar or Ann Arbor, but I'm just trying to, or Royal Oak. I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of it is, there's a lot of variables thrown into it now because we're going to be having, we have a kid already. We have another one coming in July. So, uh, yeah. Oh, congrats. Man. I didn't know that. Yeah, congrats. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We have a, so I have a 15 month old daughter and I have a son on the way. So we're going to have a variety pack. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Gordy is Gordy uh, still. Gordy's still kicking. He's still he. Yeah. he well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he hates uh, our daughter, but he he heavily dislikes her because he's you know she stole his thunder. That's but yeah. just yeah. someone knows Gordy's a dog. <laughs> yeah, Gordy's a dog. <laughs> That's probably a good clarification. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, Graham, I have a, a spare bedroom in my place in Detroit. If you need a, a place to crash, <laughs> sounds good. I'll let the I'll let you take the baby. Uh, you, perfect. You can perfect. take the newborn. Uh, we'll pick <laughs> more. We'll pick him up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, good. Good catch up with you, man. And it's cool to see your. I mean, your your journey through the NFL um, has been so. Um, I mean, to come from a walk on to where you are now, and and the full circleness of it too, to be able to come back to Detroit for for a big year too. It's just kind of a cool story and. Yeah. We appreciate you taking the time to catch up. Yeah, no problem. It was a pleasure talking to you, boys. All right. Thank See you. See This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Lives Detroit Lions Beat. 
Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.